Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on December 8th, 2016. What a week. We have seen the Italian referendum on their constitutional amendments that were proposed by Prime Minister Matteo Renzi. And uh, I've been gathering all sorts of stories, and it looks to me like, once again, the corporate-controlled media in the world, in this case in Europe and Italy, doesn't get it. But uh, what I want to point out, I, I'm going to be referring you to an article from The New Yorker here in a few minutes that kind of gets it, but doesn't really. But anyway, what a week. Uh, huge stories. I'm certainly no expert in Italian domestic politics by any stretch of the imagination. But I want to bring to your attention some stories that kind of caught my eye. The first off here was a Daily Mail story that appeared, uh, I believe, in no late November prior to the Italian election. And uh, this is typical EU, all right? Listen to this. European President Jean-Claude Juncker pleads with EU leaders not to hold in-out referendums because voters will choose to leave. And I'm only going to cite here the first two paragraphs. Jean-Claude Juncker has urged European Union leaders not to hold referendums on their membership of the bloc because he fears their voters will choose to leave. The European Commission president giving said giving people a vote would be unwise as they should could seek to replicate Brexit. So there you have it from the mouth of the EU itself. We don't trust the voters because they may not agree with us. Talk about a last name, a surname, for a European president that is could not be more appropriate, conjuring all the delights of mystical, magical Prussia and the Juncker class. But anyway, they did have a vote in Italy, and it didn't go quite as expected, <laughs> okay? Uh, this article, this first article, is um, appeared on uh, Sunday last week, and it's a Reuters story. I've put the links here, or I will put up the links on YouTube for you so that you can look at these articles. And I just want to read a few paragraphs from this. I've got several articles to get through today about the Italian elections before I get to my comments on what I think all of this might mean. And I want to start out here with this Reuters article. Renzi's decision to quit after just two and a half years in office deals a blow to the European Union. Already reeling from multiple crises and struggling to overcome anti-establishment forces that have battered the Western world this year. Now, please note the coverage here. It's the anti-establishment people that are battering the Western world. In other words, they're trying to shift the blame away from themselves. All right. And this is the way the European media, in particular, the corporate-controlled media in Europe, looks to be covering this most recent story. Uh, it's their own policies that, quite frankly, have been battering the Western world, and in particular Europe, not only with the austerity programs, with the sanctions on Russia, uh, which we have seen the Italians attempting very quietly to, to ease or abate to some extent, and of course the immigration policies that we've seen the European Union 
shoving down the throats of their own people. So in other words, shift the blame, take no responsibility. And we can't let the people have a vote, according to Harry Juncker, uh, because they might choose to leave. Well, golly, I wonder why. All right, but continuing this article. Mr. Renzi's resignation could open the door to early elections next year and to the possibility of an anti-Euro party, the opposition five-star movement, gaining power in the heart of the single currency. Five-star campaigned hard for a no vote. Now, skipping several paragraphs here. In one relief, listen to the listen again to the language of the Reuters article. In one relief for mainstream Europe, Austrian voters roundly rejected on Sunday a candidate vying to become the first freely elected far right. Please notice if you're opposed to the policies of open borders and all of the immigration policies of the EU, you're automatically far right head of state in Europe since World War II, in choosing instead a Greens leader as president. Thank goodness for the mainstream in Europe. Now, what I find very interesting here is that you see re being replicated in Europe the same tactics that are occurring domestically in the United States after the election of President-elect Trump, the same memes. We're the mainstream. You guys are the bad guys. We're shifting all the responsibility for our policies onto you. And on and on this goes and perish the thought, according to Harry Juncker, that we should actually have votes on these things. <laughs> okay. So much for democracy. All right. Now, let's get down to the election itself in Italy. I'm citing now a, a, an important article, and I, again, will put the links up here for you on YouTube and on the website. But I'm citing now from an article, an interesting analysis that was given in the uh, United Kingdom newspaper, the Daily Telegraph, or as we used to lovingly refer to it, the Daily Torygraph in Great Britain. And I want to read some paragraphs here, and then I want to point out a very important map that the Daily Telegraph article put into it. I'm actually going to hold this up on the screen for you so that you can see what happened in Italy, all right? Now, the Telegraph article says, by his own logic, meaning Matteo Renzi's logic, this should have been good for Mr. Renzi, and in one respect, he was correct to hope for a high turnout. In other words, they're commenting on the very high turnout in this Italian constitutional referendum. The results show that the higher the turnout was in a particular region, the more likely that region was to vote yes in favor of his constitutional reforms. And we're going to get to that in a moment. For a region that voted yes, the average turnout was in excess of 75%, the sort of figures usually only reserved for general elections in Italy. For a no region, the average was about 67%. In this regard, the Italian referendum results are unlike those in this summer's Brexit referendum, where a high voter turnout was more likely to result in the anti-establishment leave option. Although Mr. Renzi's turnout targets were exceeded, he still lost the final vote by a huge margin, only 17 out of 110 provinces saw a turnout of less than 60%, and interest in the vote grew as polling day grew closer. It seems that both Mr. Renzi and the pollsters underestimated, golly, 
underestimated the depth of anti-government feeling in the country and the number of people who were prepared to actively register their disquiet. Of the 10 most populous provinces in Italy, all opted to vote against his complex constitutional reforms. All right, and we're going to get to those reforms here in a minute, but I want to show you this map that appears in the Daily Telegraph article and point something out to you. And I hope that you can all see this clearly on the camera. This is the Daily Telegraph's map. You can find a similar map on the Wikipedia article about the constitutional referendum in Italy. Now, I've taken my pen and I've outlined the provinces in Italy that voted in favor of Prime Minister Renzi's constitutional reforms. In other words, you have only three. Venezia, uh, over here on the Adriatic, voted heavily against it, as did most of southern Italy, voted very, very heavily against it. And all the rest of these provinces, of course, also voted against it, but, but less heavily. So in other words, the, the <laughs> Italian nation almost... Uh, with the exception of three provinces, voted overwhelmingly against uh, Prime Minister Renzi's reforms. So now let's go to a final article that I have linked on the website. This is an article that was written by John Cassidy in the American magazine, The New Yorker. Uh, this is an interesting article. It's well considered. It's well thought. It's, it's carefully reasoned. And the article is titled, What Europe Needs, Hope, all right? And I'm only going to point out one paragraph here because I think in spite of the rhetoric in the rest of the article that what's really going on here is that he's getting the closest to it that I've seen in any corporate controlled media outlet, either in Europe or in uh, the United States, about what the Italian elections might mean. I'm going to offer my own thoughts here uh, after I read this one paragraph that Mr. Cassidy composed. <clears throat> he says, quote, The actual story is more nuanced, but ultimately perhaps even more alarming. Eight years after the great financial blow-up of 2008, the European Union is still stuck in an existential crisis which now has at least four aspects. The area's economy, despite a modest recent upturn, is still locked in the straitjacket of austerity. In other words, the policy that Germany has been basically driving down the throats of the rest of the European Union <coughs> is causing economic hardship. I'm going to add that to something to that in a moment. Two, the refugee issue is fanning resentment, racism. Of course, if you're opposed to uh, a, a culture flooding your own culture, that makes you automatically a racist. So again, we've got the typical meme here to try and tar any opposition to these policies as xenophobia and racism, and I reject that qualification absolutely and utterly. The fear of terrorism in countries large and small, and three, the threat of an actual breakup in the Union is getting more serious, particularly following the Brexit vote in Britain. And finally, there is a growing deficit in democracy legitimacy. Well, again, uh, Mr. Cassidy, consult the president of the European Union himself 
and he's the one responsible for the deficit. So let's look at what the Italian constitutional referendum was. If you look carefully, Prime Minister Renzi was proposing certain reforms to abolish some of the powers of the Italian Senate. The Italian Parliament's a bicameral house. It's got a chamber of deputies and a Senate, all right? And the problem has been, as most people well know from Italian politics, that government ten, governments tend to come and go with great rapidity. And the problem is that, that Matteo Renzi wanted to concentrate more power in the central government executive itself and in the office of prime minister and take away some of the regionalism that exists within Italian politics. Now, I suspect that this is only, again, the cover story. Because Italy, if you look at that map in the Daily Telegraph, the, the provinces voting most heavily against the referendum were the provinces in southern Italy where the immigrant crisis has been the hitting them the hardest, all right, coming across the Mediterranean into Sicily and into southern Italy. So I think this is partly what's driving uh, the reaction against the centralizing tendency because that would have concentrated more hands in the power of the central government, and that in turn was going to uh, play more carefully to the tune of Brussels. Now, there's some other factors at work here, and Cassidy is correct to point out the economic factors. And Italy, if you recall, I've blogged about this on my website from time to time. Italy, you'll recall, has been one of those countries in Europe questioning not only the austerity policies, but also questioning some of the effects on the European and especially the Italian economy from the sanctions against Russia, all right? We've seen the Italian agricultural minister talking about easing some of those sanctions. We've seen cases in Germany where local businessmen and even local lender politicians make their own trips to Russia, bypass Berlin completely, and say this policy is insanity, all right? So my reading of the Italian constitutional referendum here is, number one, it's an anti-EU vote. Number two, it's an anti-EU vote because of the economy, because of the immigration crisis. People are simply not buying the fact that if they are opposed to these open border nutty policies, that they are automatically xenophobes and racists. This is absurd, especially in Italy's case because the Italians have tried to do their very best by some of these immigrants, and like elsewhere in Europe, they're not getting very far. So there's, there's a lot going on here. But I suspect even more deeply that this is a vote against the, and this is something I think we have to pay attention to, as elections now are going to occur in France next year and in Germany next year, all right? They are going to pull out all the stops against the so-called far-right pol pol political parties, and they are passing certain legislation even now in France trying to clamp down on websites, news outlets, and so on, basically what amounts to the free uh, media over there to ensure that some of these parties that object to these policies do not take power or at least have a significant reduction in their representations within those parliaments in those countries. 
I think what we're looking at, when you put all of this together, the Italian constitutional referendum, the Brexit vote earlier this year, now, interestingly enough, incidentally, some developing news out of Great Britain from the British Parliament that I uh, hopefully will be blogging about this week. Uh, Parliament looks set to trigger the Article 50 and, and go through with the Brexit vote. So in other words, if we look at Brexit, if we look at the Italian referendum, if we look at the upcoming uh, elections in France and Germany, where Mrs. Merkel is in very, very serious trouble, and she's trying now to reverse some of her prior statements about the immigration policy, because this is driving a lot of the opposition. If we look at the election results in the United States, what you're noticing, I think, are two things. I think you're seeing a backlash, first of all, against the centralizing version of global loaning, as I like to call it, or globalism to give it the corporate controlled media expression. And that has expressed itself popularly for most people, both in terms of the refugee crisis and in terms of dwindling middle class economic discretionary spending income. All right. These are the two things I think we need to watch. What we're seeing is a reaction against centralism. And it's high time, too, folks, because you cannot have a functioning global economy with bureaucrats in a central, non-democratic institution, especially one like the EU, trying to manage a complex economy like Europe that is going to have tremendous regional differences, not only from province to province, but from nation to nation. This is an experiment that is failing, and everybody sees it. I think you're seeing now the, the memes that are going to be driving not only geopolitics, but domestic politics in Europe and the West taking shape. A, a willingness to defend culture, a a questioning of, and this is the most important, this is the most important point, the questioning of centralizing globalism and having everything being run by, by essentially a bureaucratic dictatorship, either in Brussels or Washington, D.C., or for that matter, in London. This is going to continue. Now, what I suspect is going to happen in Italy is I do suspect there will be a further attempt to push through similar constitutional referenda in the future. But I also think you're going to have a, a call for a general election in Italy. There's already calls for a general election. I suspect that you're going to see the, the so-called populist movement in Italy and I really don't like that term. I would prefer to call it the decentralizing anti-austerity uh, movement in Italy because that's really what this is. Um, I, I think you're going to see that party, if not necessarily achieve a significant majority within the Italian houses, it will at least gain enough seats to become a factor in any new coalition government. And that, in turn may influence how the Italians decide to adjust their constitution to make it possible for more stable governments to form and stay in power longer than they traditionally have in Italian politics. Time will tell. But this is my prediction. I think the New Yorker article at least gets it partly right in Italy's case. 
if you if you can get past the constant tendency of the corporate controlled media to want to brand any opposition to a constant influx of Islamic immigrants into their countries and culture with labels like xenophobia or racism and so on and so forth. It's not about that. It's about the central tenets and concepts of the ideology itself, which are antithetical to Western culture. But on the same token, that same tendency towards centralization uh, toward a kind of bureaucratic theocracy is also what you see people reacting to in Europe against the European Union and so on and so forth. The regulatory climate of the European Union is as bad as the regulatory climate in the United States. It's very, very difficult for middle class, small business uh, entrepreneurs to get anywhere and, and do anything in the European Union. So this is going to backlash I think the austerity measures are driving a large part of this in Italy, particularly in Greece. It's going to spread, folks, and people like Jean-Claude Juncker are living in a make-believe virtual reality world of their own. But he said it the best, we can't turn this over to the people. But the problem is, Mr. Juncker, you so-called experts have created a mess in the last 20 years, and it's time for you to go. This is what I think just happened in Italy. It's an earthquake. I think you're going to see some shocking results in France next year with the presidential elections. And I think Mrs. Merkel is in huge trouble. And interestingly enough, let me conclude with this. This is precisely what Prime Minister Renzi warned about and said as he resigned office. He said, Merkel is next. So stay tuned, folks. It's going to be an interesting year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bye-bye, and I'll see everybody on the flip side. Bye-bye.